Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Aaron Battle. My name is Kurt Robinson. And we are journalists now. Media isn't just the sole pursuit of those few nowadays. It's actually something that's in the hand of all of us. Uh, so we've moved away from mass media and we're moving towards social media. So it's like a peer-to-peer -peer network, or it will be soon, uh, where you can spread information with people and you can report on things that are happening even in real time you can spread information so you have the power this new media means social media is going to break away the chains of mass media giving you the freedom to explore this new world of sharing content yep so we can trust that with the past so for example the case of william randolph hearst uh, he used to be a newspaper mogul known as the father of yellow journalism, and he controlled several newspapers and he used them to manipulate public opinion. Whereas nowadays we're seeing hundreds or hundreds of thousands of people uh, reporting independently using their own websites or their, their Facebook pages and, and so many other things, their Twitters, uh, to influence the world and to portray the world as they see it. So let's take this new role and move through airports freely and comfortably in your own time without needing to worry about being attacked by stress and I guess these overpowering security, uh, world saving, terrorist capturing, they didn't capture any terrorists did they? No, the TSA never captured any terrorists. Uh, I don't think uh, security scanners at the airport capture any terrorists. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's an important point too because uh, this age of independent journalism and, and video cameras in every pocket means that government bureaucrats have to be a lot more accountable to regular people like you or me, you know, human beings with souls as opposed to bureaucrats. So... Uh, this means that we have uh, we have the power to change the world, and so we have to use that power responsibly uh, and see what kind of new things we can uh, we can change in the future. It's also we also touch on a new social media site which is called Cinereo, uh, which hasn't been opened yet, um, but this is a social media site which makes the process of uh, creating content and distributing content over the internet even more horizontal and it means that journalists can possibly be paid almost immediately like within hours for their work press like press subscribe on youtube and itunes and pocket casts and uh, go on our website theparadiseparadox.com and leave us a comment tell us a story and also uh, we really appreciate all these donations that we've been receiving. Uh, puts our smile on our face when we when we log into blockchain.info or PayPal and see the the money that that's been uh, trickling in there. Uh, so we we really appreciate that because it's a symbol. Um, it really symbolizes to us that what we're doing is is important. Uh, so so we love it when people uh, give us a little money and you know no matter how big or small it is. You can go on donate.theparadiseparadox.com and throw us a few bones there by Bitcoin or altcoins or PayPal. Whatever you want, share a little love. Yep, yep. 
And also, um, if you're going to shop on Amazon and at the same time you want to show us some support, you can go onto our website, theparadiseparadox.com and press on Shop Amazon at the top there. And that will mean, it won't mean that you get charged any extra. It's not going to inconvenience you at all except for the, the two seconds it takes to go to our website. But it does mean that we receive a small percentage as a commission of everything that you buy. Um, so that's another way. If you're enjoying the show, we really appreciate if you do that. Uh, we love you guys. And let's get into the show. This is me diving into the show. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Today we're talking about journalism and the future of journalism and how a lot of people are, are going to be journalists in the future or how, how the face of journalism is changing. And I, I'm not sure uh, who said it first, if it was Jeff Berwick or Doug Casey, but one thing they mentioned is that like when you go through the, um, the border check or the customs and the, the TSA in the United States, uh, a lot of the time they give you some trouble, um, but if you mention they're a journal that you're a journalist, suddenly they start to back off a little and they don't give you so much heat, which of course they don't want to really attack the attention of hundreds of thousands or possibly millions of people on, on YouTube watching how terrible they are or reading about it on your blog or anything like that. Uh, so so um, Jeff Berwick encouraged people to, to say, yes, um, my occupation is journalist and, you know, say it with a little bit of weight behind it <laughs> so maybe they get the message. Yeah. I'm a journalist now. Yeah, good. How was that? Uh, I think you're pretty much there. <laughs> uh, I've I got to work on it, but uh, it is very frustrating going through the airport and in the right down that little box, you know, I am a... What, what am I today? A student well, of usually, life. Usually I'm a student. I think, uh, I can't think of many, very many other occupations that I ever put down when I'm going through the airport because it just opens up for questions. It's like mm. even putting down a student, mm. you know, I'm, I'm often asked, they often ask me, how do you pay for your trip or why are you traveling? I guess pretty standard questions, but. I don't know. I don't think they've ever asked me that. Actually, um, <laughs> I, don't I don't remember having to ask even the, the question about what my occupation is. It's normally I get to the, I remember in the United States, I arrive at the customs desk and the guy's like, purpose of your trip, like that. Like <laughs> the guy has been there for like 12 or 14 hours straight. And this, you know, being a bureaucrat, I can't imagine it's a very spiritually fulfilling occupation. Uh, so this guy's, you know, if he hasn't been working for 14 hours straight, maybe he's been working for, uh, maybe he's only been working there for two weeks and, you know, now he's sold his soul to the devil. So he's unable to express any human emotion and it comes across as if he's accusing you every time he asks you a question. <laughs> well, I mean, what's, what kind of person are you to, uh, you must have some, you must be in survival to want that, to want that job because you can't talk to people. I mean, you mm. ask questions and maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe just the tone 
that uh, that you seem to develop after being sitting or sitting there for so many hours. I, don't, mm. I mean, he might come back from his lunch break. I don't think that would change very much. <laughs> what would you like for lunch, sir? Big Mac, small fries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my man. <laughs> same as yesterday. That's my boy. <laughs> Every day, the same thing, day and day. And. Yeah. Actually, I, did, I do remember uh, last time I was flying from Los Angeles back to Australia. Uh, I think it was this time. I'm... Um, the guy, the TSI guy who, who checked me, um, he was actually very personable. Uh, he was a nice guy. I think his name was Steven. And, and he was like, yeah, we'll just sort you right up here. And, <laughs> um, you know, he was going through all my bags and stuff. But he made it, he, he was uh, quite good at it. He made it seem like it wasn't a big deal. And even though they've <laughs> violated my privacy six ways from Sunday. But, um, you know, of, of course, I'd prefer to be searched by this guy than than you know anybody else who's ever searched me but um i think that guy was actually a prepper because i had a, a roll of dimes that i bought like ten dollars not not dimes uh quarters uh ten dollars worth of quarters because i wanted to, i wanted to go through them to see if there were any uh silver quarters like pre-1965 constitutional silver in there um which there weren't but um, but I mentioned it to him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know all about that. I got a I got a collection at home." So I think this guy was actually this like this guy was the most switched on government employee I've ever talked in, to in my life. <laughs> yeah, he was placed there. He's an agent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think the nah. TSA is that smart. But yeah. Uh, no, well, yeah. after our last episode, I think I've been a little paranoid. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. Which episode are you talking about? Um, well, let's see the um, like, no the uh, the MK Ultra. Since that episode, I've been a little bit. Hey, what, what am I? What am I consuming here? And and on whose regards? Is this my choice or? <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know. A TSA agent has never offered me LSD laced coffee. I'm pretty sure I can uh, testify to that. So you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes me think of the of the agent that escaped um, the television show back in what, late nineties, The mm. Pretender. And yep. Every episode he starts with, "Hi, I'm your doctor, or I'm an accountant, or I'm a, I'm your lawyer today." Mm. And it's it's cool because <laughs> the Pretender, the whole idea was that you know this agent that was super yep. equipped and super smart could become any anyone he wanted by played by what Michael Michael Weiss. Yep. So. Um, I kind of carry that. I mean, it was, it was a show on TV as a, as a kid, so I kind of like I like that. So now, now that I'm a journalist, I'm looking forward to going through the airport to put I'm a journalist just mm. to see what happens because you know when someone looks at that and says, "Oh, you're a journalist," the whole line of questioning becomes something else. It's different, different questions. <laughs> therefore, I'm a different person. So it's it's kind of cool, right? Reality's responding to you in a different way. Yeah, well, I mean, now it's not like, you know, how you're a student, how do you pay for your trip? It's like you're a journalist. Which, uh, which newspaper do you write for? <laughs> newspaper. Who, who writes the newspapers anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> not I, many people. I work for the Paradise Corporation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I work from Paradise, Guadalajara. Uh, yeah, that's better. <laughs> I'll run with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I remember I had a... 
interesting experience coming out of Newcastle Airport, Newcastle, New South Wales, uh, about it must have been about two years ago now. Because uh, at the time I was reading this the, the wacky free man type stuff. Oh, some you know, of course, not all of it's wacky, but the point is asking the questions about what authority these people actually have. And uh, they so they scanned my bags and and then they um, they wanted to give me a random bomb check and and uh, they showed me the paper and they said they said oh so do you want to um, would you like or do you give your consent to this random uh, bomb check and, and I was like yes but first I just need to ask you a few questions like is is this voluntary like what are you doing. Uh, like, do do I have the option to not do this? Uh, and they they just kept evading my questions. Um, like the the woman was like, "Well, if you if you don't agree to it, uh, bear in mind these are actually they're not actually government employees. They're employed by uh, SMP Security. They're a private security organization. Given the the charge of this um, of this office by the government, and uh, so." <laughs> I asked her, "What's uh, what's the deal? Like, um, what happens if I say no?" She said, "Well, if you sell, if you say no, uh, then we'll ask you to leave." And I said, "Okay." And if I refuse, and she said, "Well, if we ask you to leave, would you leave?" I said, "Yeah, I would probably leave." And she said, "Well, we don't have to um, address that question, then, do we?" And I was like, "What are you are you serious?" <laughs> and I said, I, "I started getting pretty angry, but still trying to." maintain my cool uh, she's asking to check my luggage uh, so it's it's rather invasive and, and she said those magical words if you've got nothing to hide you've got nothing to worry about and i was like about to erupt i said okay well uh i'll just need to see some identification please i'll need to see your passport your driver's license and please tell me your home address because if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about, right? <laughs> At that stage, you called for a supervisor. You said that? <laughs> I absolutely did say that. Oh, what a poor yeah. security staff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most important things are like, when do you clock off? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, I, I mean, you know, from a security point of view, it's just a job. I mean, she's not doing her, G, her dream role. Mm. So, um, I, I mean, I would maybe looking from an Australian point of view, yep. I think it'd be, it'd be very interesting to find someone in security that's uh, at an airport doing the, the bomb, bomb checking. Yes. Right? Or explosive yes. check. Ran- random bomb swab. They, they like, rub a cotton swab off you and check if it has any explosive material. I just don't know if these people are passionate about what they're doing. <laughs> that, that's what I'm referring to. It's like, you know, she's just ticking boxes. Yeah, well, she, she from what I could tell, she was actually pretty new in the position, or at least she she hadn't been in the position long enough to deal with the type of questions that I was asking. And I think at, at this point, I was starting to make a scene, like a, a few people turning around and being like, "What? What is wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he just go along with the bomb swab?" Uh, and that's the problem, isn't it? it that's, <laughs> that's right. The crowd's it, against me. It's it just, just like at a, just like at the Lucha Libre. When the crowd's <laughs> against you. You just you know it's really hard to win. <laughs> Still yeah. haven't been yet. Got to check. It out. 
uh, yeah, so she brought the manager over, and it got to the point where they were just like, they, they, I'm sure they weren't deliberately lying to me, but they were saying, they were definitely saying things which were untrue. Like the woman was saying to me, and I think she assumed that I'd never been in an airport before because otherwise I, I wouldn't be asking these questions. But she was saying to me, you know, the reason we ask for your consent is just out of courtesy. We don't actually have to ask for your consent. Uh, legally, um, and if you go to Sydney or Melbourne airports, then they won't ask you for your consent. And I was just like, no, that's like, who told you that? Because you'd have no idea what you're talking about. Like if you if you search somebody's, uh, some, somebody's things without their consent, do you think that's legal? Do you think that's lawful? Like what are you, what are you even thinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not thinking. Uh, yeah, if, exactly. Well, I think most people that go through the airport um, – I'm a little stressed. You know, there's a lot, a lot of noise going on. There's like, yep. you know, shoes off, bags on ramps. It's like, you know, and then you think about, you know, what am I supposed to have? There's limits on liquids and mm. you, you really, and then you pull laptops out. There's a lot going on. Yes. And you're thinking about, you know, where I put my tickets, where's my passport now? I've been through two checks already, security. Yep. And what time is it? Where am I? There's a lot going on. And then all of a sudden you got someone like, I'm just going to check, can I swab you down or whatever? I don't, I don't know what they say, like, you know, random check. I'm yeah, like, just do it quickly, get it out of the way. And this this is actually the reason why if you want to in, uh, introduce tyranny into a society, the best place to start is with an airport. It's because people are in a rush. They need to get into their plane and they don't have time to be civilly disobedient. Uh, <laughs> and that's like you start clamping, clamping down that vice of uh, of of anti liberty of tyranny. <laughs> I got a budget budget some more time to mm. um, to, to flex my freedom. <laughs> yeah, well, at one point I had this plan. Like uh, I thought, oh, I'll go to what if I go to uh, Melbourne Airport every day or every week, and I try to walk through the security and I keep asking them the questions over and over again. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I mean, in the end, I, I agreed to the bomb swab and they swabbed it. And, and actually, she swabbed it very thoroughly. So she got me to open my bag and looked right through it and swabbed in several places. Uh, so, you know, these people are assuming that I'm, that I'm a terrorist or something just because I don't like strangers going through my things. I thought it was because it's, you're wearing a turban. <laughs> <laughs> or a guanjabera. Yeah, Mexican terrorist. Or know. a beret. Yeah. <laughs> These are triggers, right? Uh, actually, that day, uh, you know what I was wearing that day? I was wearing a WikiLeaks um, jumper. So it has a, a picture of a like a, a toxic or a toxic hazard symbol. Um, over the earth or something like that. I can't. They do take advantage of the fact that people are, are rushing and like, you know, yes. they, they don't have time to really think through what's going on. But uh, I mean, generally we don't, we, I, all of us don't really know. Um, we don't appreciate the power that we have. I mean, mm. by, by putting down or by taking the, the, the stance that I'm a, I'm a journalist, it's like, you know, you guys mess up or say something wrong or whatever. Yeah. You know, I will talk about this. Yeah. That's right, and that's the power that all of us have these days. Even though I don't, I don't think everybody has really clicked onto it yet. Um, but of, of course, you can see, you know, videos of uh, police brutality, and it's you know, it's not like Rodney King anymore, where one comes out um, like the first one in history 
comes out and, and everybody's shocked. Um, now, if at least if you're paying attention to this sort of thing, you can see it happens all, all the time. Police are, are constantly overstepping their boundaries, and and uh, if they're not um, actually uh, actually committing battery on uh, people, they're they're getting in their faces, which uh, you know un under common law it would more or less be assault if you're standing in in an intimidating manner um, while possessing a, a deadly weapon. That is, I mean, that's if it's not assault, it's, it can get very close. Yeah, people do do have this power now to distribute these videos, and uh, at when we're at Anacapulco, uh, a gentleman speaking by the name of Orion Martin was talking about his app. What it does is when you when you're pointing your like you you break out your camera. Uh, your your phone rather when you're at a traffic stop or when a police pulls you over, a uh, police person pulls you over, and then you can contact a lawyer immediately. Um, so if you're in the United States, this is, uh, and you can start talking to the lawyer, and the the lawyer will talk to the police officer, so you don't have to. And uh, the service is pretty cheap. I think it's about sixty dollars a year. That's that's what he presented, but just be able to record live. Yeah, and, uh, and and beam back to your cloud to record exactly what's happening. Yep. or have the option there to not deal with it and go here, speak to my, speak to my legal my legal team. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean that's essentially what it is. I mean you don't, yes. you don't need to deal with it. Yes, and you know and he'll ask all the appropriate questions straight up yes. to you know to completely uh, make sure that the policeman or authority are coming from the right the right level. Yes, because I mean you know they're going to. Um, you know, stand over you or talk down to you. I mean, obviously, they're not going to do that to uh, or to you. Or, mm. uh, I mean, if you have a legal team in your phone, or if you're a journalist, you know, <laughs> they don't do that to journalists either. I don't think. Well, yeah, I think in in this case, the legal team is going to intimidate them more. But still, you know, that's. I mean, you can see some videos where they 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 break out the camera and and. Uh, uh, it's at a traffic stop or about a, a random breath test or whatever it is, and it seems actually kind of obvious in some of them that the police officer is deliberately being respectful when normally he'd probably be a piece of shit, <laughs> and, yeah. he, and he says stuff like, "Oh, I really, um, you know, I admire you people who, who come in here and exercise your First Amendment rights, uh, and uh, I'm glad you are respectful because some people just shove it, shove it in my face or whatever, and it's um, it sounds like nonsense. Uh, like who who really wants to be um, really wants to be filmed while they're on a job, but that's uh, that's something you." sign up to these days if you become a police officer and rightfully so well that's right yeah is with great power comes great responsibility you if you put in a position like that then everybody is going to be extra holding extra scrutiny of you and and uh that's exactly what is necessary to maintain a free society it's a shame to think they might have to start doing their job <laughs> not that, you know, not saying that all policemen are a scum, <laughs> but you know, it just it is, it's just sad that the majority of videos that seem to come online uh, seem to to show a lot of uh, activity that you know might not be, you know, that, that isn't quite you know in accordance with the way they should be behaving. Yes, yes, and 
Yeah, now nowadays we can see that that's it's obviously quite prevalent. Whereas in the past, uh, people might not be able to might not have been able to tell that these things were actually going on. That the police was stepping uh, overstepping the boundaries constantly, and they weren't being just respectful to citizens. Yeah. Well, this so, new this new wave of social uh, social media and social interaction between you, your friends, your family, and the world really opens up that that journalism category to anyone that wants to put on that hat. I mean, yep. If you start you start recording anything, you can start posting it. I mean, whether that's pictures of your dog, or you know, yeah. or that's an event you went to, or whether you know whether it is authorities you know playing outside their outside their lines mm. of you know respected behaviour. Mm. Um, and I think it's great. I think it's really good that, it, that everyone's able to do that now. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it is bringing in the responsibility where, you know, as, a, as people, I mean, we can police ourselves to a certain extent. I mean, if, it's, yeah. if, it's a, if a video is out, not that I'm on board with videos being on the street, you know, videoing everyone doing everything, mm. but uh, it's, it's a good option to have when you need it, when it's there. It's going to protect a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And it goes both ways, so you've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> nothing to hide, nothing to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're showering and you leave the curtains open, well, you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave that. <laughs> i got, I got nothing. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you were you were saying how it's interesting how you can put on these different hats and it's it's like you you step into this different role um, and maybe I guess it, it can actually affect your thinking too because it's a sense of identity and perhaps it reveals to you ways of thinking which you hadn't previously considered. Yeah, it's really I think it's important to, to practice that because mm. even even though you're still you, by giving yourself a different title it does change the way you're going to perceive, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and that might be just in a real subtle, in a subtle way, and it might seem a little bit silly, but I'm telling you, when I'm walking through the airport next and I'm a journalist, not student, um, then that, that's going to be really uplifting in a, <laughs> in a way because all of a sudden it's like, you know what, it, it, well, it makes you feel bigger than what you are in a way. <laughs> Like your your reach is going to be is going to be further because all of a sudden I mean I've had I've had interesting events in my life where you know I've told the story many times mm. and you know it might be over a few beers or it might be at a family picnic or whatever but I mean at that point you're the reporter reporting on your life and you get you're telling someone the story so of course you're going to act different mm. and and I think if you're in a in a public place uh, like an airport which is extremely I'm going to say noisy and I'm talking like all levels, yeah. um, you know, you're very distracted. So by bringing yourself back to I'm reporting on what's happening here, you know, that's pretty just enough to focus on, you know, keeping your head together, mm. which I think is important for, for a lot of people because how many people are losing stuff and, you know, it's, it's just airports are a mess. Yeah, well, the, the TSA is, um, well, employees of the TSA have stolen thousands and thousands of dollars worth of possessions over the years and you know they haven't caught one terrorist not a single one uh no way pretty yeah, yeah unbelievable isn't it a government agency 
that can't actually do their job. Incredible. Incredible. I would have never thought of that. Um, well, what kind of terrorist catches public transport anyway? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, all the terrorists in movies seem to have private jets. and, oh, and okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my education on terrorism is a little skewed. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of a suicide Learjet. I've never heard of a suicide bomber using a Learjet and flying, <laughs> flying into a building. I've never heard of that. No, I haven't either. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking <laughs> swordfish now. Even if they did, they would have body doubles and things, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a silly topic. <laughs> but um, but we're talking about we're talking about personally going through that the process of being screened. I mean, I I know that, you know, there's that we're not terrorists in general. Mm. And I speak for all of us. Mm. But it's like why why do you have to go through that? And there's, there's a, you know, some pretty good questions that can be asked. Why do you need to go through the process of being screened like a, like a lab rat? Yeah. Being x-rayed front and back just to, just to board a plane because you want to go visit your family for the holidays. It's crazy. Yeah. Actually, I wonder what kind of technological solutions people will find to get around this because, of, of course, there's things like I was talking with one of my students the other day about uh, how uh, you can use a VPN even if you're in Australia or Mexico and you want to access Netflix you can use a VPN so it doesn't matter that uh, your government like the Italian government has a trade agreement with the United States where they're not going to release certain TV shows or over a certain period it doesn't matter anymore you can get around with that with technology so what if you know in, in a, a few years are people just going to say you know um Let's just uh, take off by boat or by flying car and, and island hop their way to another country. Um, maybe it it just won't matter that governments have borders because there's no way they can stop uh, the people 3D printing their flying cars in their backyard and taking off to whatever country they want to go to. Or their biological clone and just torrenting their personality and memories from one body to the next. I, I don't know what's going to come with all this. <laughs> but it's like the ultimate stand of government to have like, you know, their uniforms at mm. the, you know, at the check-in point. Yeah. We haven't really changed. We haven't evolved much, have we? Mm. Uh, government hasn't evolved much. Um, well, yeah. I said we because we are government. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Get out of my fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love that. <laughs> Watch us again at the Paradise Paradox. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket Casts. Thump, 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 thump. Hit it and quit. So another angle is about the mass media, which, of course, in in days past, mass media was very important. And uh, it was much, yeah, I would say the mass media was much more important than it is today because independent journalism is, is has been rising for the last few years, you know, since it, the Internet started to get popular. And uh, when, the, when the internet did start to get popular, a, a lot of big news company, newspaper company execs came out and they said, that'll never work. 
you can't just give anybody the responsibility of publishing news and saying their opinion. That will never be the case. And of course, that's pretty much the case these days. But I think it's it's still got a lot of room to grow. I mean, the other day I looked at the New York Times, I followed a link from Wikipedia to do some research and it came up with the paywall on New York Times and it was like, you can pay 99 cents introductory offer for the first four weeks or pay $3.95 for this article in high quality PDF. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Dude. Like, that's ridiculous. You're living in, like, what age, <laughs> what year do you think this is that you think you can charge that much? Nobody's nobody's buying that except, I don't know, somebody's 50 or 60 and still thinks that the New York Times is some kind of respectable <laughs> news source. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I mean, you're talking about journalism, the integrity of solid journalism. Yeah. and uh, That's a good brand. Project Mockingbird CIA infiltration of, of mass media. That's <laughs> I think I think that's what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, well, I don't. You do need to scratch your head and wonder how far do they go and yeah. you know, and what's left. Yeah. Well, I remember once some my my friend Luke, who's who's an atheist, and he, he debates with atheists. He debates with uh, people about theology constantly and and of course a popular line amongst atheists is wait you believe something just because it was written in a book and he sent me this link to a new york times article and i was like if if some if if a theist sent something to you and and told you it was true would you believe them and why would you believe this thing just because it's written in the new york times it's a bunch bunch of nonsense it takes more than that for you to uh provide evidence and like one source of evidence, one very limited source of evidence. One interesting case of journalism is the case of the father of yellow journalism, William Randolph Hearst. And these days people start to talk about him a bit more because it's relevant to a conversation which is going on all around the world at the moment, which is marijuana decriminalization. Because the, the thing was, at the time, at, at um, Hearst's peak, he controlled about 30 newspapers and then went on to control several magazines as well. So, so he had this whole chain. And at the time, 30 newspapers was a lot, apparently. Um, so he was very powerful media figure. And uh, so you can see him, uh, characters based on him, portrayed in, in movies such as uh, Citizen Kane. Of course, there's also uh, a character based on him in Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, uh, Gail Wynand, the, the the respected and, and hated figure of of newspapers in in the, uh, in the Fountainhead. And the thing was, um, circumstantially, Hearst owned a lot of paper mills and and a lot of a lot of forests uh, that where they were growing wood. And uh, a lot of trees, and so the thing was, it was in his interest to remove hemp from the economy, because if he could remove hemp from the legitimate economy, from the white market, then that would mean people would have to make paper out of his trees instead of out of hemp paper, which is far superior. So he started this campaign 
saying how say, saying uh, sometimes very uh, racist uh, th things which would appear rather nasty to us to hey, talk, talking about how Mexicans were all coming across the border and smoking marijuana and perhaps uh, they were raping women or wh whatever outlandish claim that he thought they could get away with, uh, they would make. And so people started saying, we need to ban this marijuana. Again, um, I guess it still happens today. People are un unconscious about when they're being manipulated by the media. So... Uh, they, they, you know, took to the streets and started protesting or whatever type of action they took. So when Congress decided to pass this law banning marijuana, it went through. Um, the thing was, there were a lot of hemp farmers and the hemp farmers had, had a big lobby and, uh, you know, a big business interest as well. But the problem was none of them knew that marijuana actually meant hemp in this case um, with this broad definition of the word. Uh, because nobody ever heard the word marijuana before. Marijuana originally apparently was a, a Mexican-Spanish slang word for a kind of wild tobacco. And so they banned marijuana and not realizing it, they banned hemp along with it, um, making Hearst a rich man, a very rich man, and uh, sending lots of hemp farmers and marijuana farmers out of business. So, so what do you draw from this? <laughs> there, there shouldn't be such a connection between what politics and politics and control and capital free markets. Well, it's not. Uh, you, you're saying free markets. Well, this this had nothing to do with free markets. This was about control, about government control, government affecting the market, so it's exactly. restricting the market. And uh, yeah, so we compare this this case to what's happening today with the. Um, the debate on marijuana legislation. And you can see people are coming out and saying, uh, it, either people say it's not harmful or, you know, there's been no deaths. Um, it's, it's um, you know, it's no more harmful. It's actually significantly less harmful than uh, cigarettes or alcohol. Uh, or some people even say it's actually beneficial. It has se several benefits. I mean, of course, it can be used for recreation, but of course, it's it's got some medicinal purposes as well, and in in some cases, a lot of medicinal use. I think this knowledge is starting to get it's starting to get pretty widely accepted. Like the collective yes. community knows this. Yes, but it's just it's just like you know it's uh, there's almost like a laziness to change it back or to modify that, isn't there? Because I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't think people care whether people smoke weed or not. <laughs> yeah, nobody really cares. Well. At least, you know, in, in Australia, in Adelaide, uh, you can just smoke weed whenever and the police won't arrest you. Even though the law is on the books, they just don't care because they're like, this is just a waste of our time. We don't really care about stopping people smoking weed. Yeah, not enough, not enough a reason to move to Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a big reason for that. <laughs> but, you know, no traffic jams because there's no people. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's that's, I mean, that's something, but still not enough. <laughs> yep. Um, so the the thing is, um, so this is in stark contrast to to back then when Hearst was alive and printing all these newspapers and he had all this power. Today we have hundreds, if not tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of independent media outlets on the internet, 
reporting on this and saying, you know, these are the facts about marijuana. Actually, when I first, like about 15 years ago, I started looking up the facts about marijuana on the internet and I thought these, um, all these marijuana advocates must be actually uh, like they're, they're saying anything they can to get it legalized, like they're saying it's not harmful and all this stuff. And, and you know, uh, after time it, it turned out they were true. Um, Whereas when I went to high school, they told me that the reason that these drugs were banned because there was a high chance of overdose, <laughs> which now it just seems laughable. Nobody's going to believe that shit. I didn't even think I got that far along the line. I just, yeah. I just knew drugs were bad. Stop. That was it. That was my knowledge. Just don't go there. Mm. You will... You would get sick and you would die. You'd be a waste of person. Yeah, that wasn't the gist of it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even think to to look into it until much later. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. It just, I mean, it, it didn't. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure. There's different triggers why people want to start investigating anything on their own accord. Mm. Um, it's, it's because they they have some kind of uh, there's some kind of feeling and some kind of personal responsibility where they want to find an answer. They want to know, is this really happening? Because for the longest time, we're trained to believe what we hear. So whatever's on the news, whatever's on TV and the newspaper, you just accept it as, as the truth. And now it's mm. almost like mass media have only, only have control over people that are too lazy or don't have that drive for the truth. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it is. No, that's, that's why people are slowly moving away from that mass media. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, re it reminds me of that lyric that uh, on uh, Juice Rap News where, where Hugo raps, ignorance is a choice in the age of the internet. Uh, the only question remains if the people are interested. Uh, and uh, those are some powerful words. But I do think more and more people are interested. More and more people, I see them, pop up on Facebook sometimes, people that uh, people from my high school who I never thought would be interested in seeking out information, but now they, they come up and they say these things which make me think, hey, this guy, is, this guy is looking stuff up. This guy is trying to find out what's really going on in the world. It gives you hope, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel good about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've got, a, I've got a, an idea of what kind of audience we would have. Mm. But, you know, there, there's a certain type of person that wants to look for alternative media. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can only pat them on the back and congratulate them for, for setting themselves free because, <laughs> uh, I mean, being told what to watch and what, at what hour and all that, that's just, I mean, of course, there's, there's different levels of media now where, you know, like, like Netflix, for example, where you can choose to watch, you know, what you want, when you want, mm. I guess, to a certain extent. And there's, there's more choice. But uh, it's just that. Why is there more choice? And then you, you select, you know, you've got this selected choice that you can pick from. It's like when, when you've got the internet, it's completely open. It's whatever you want. Mm. But we'll get there. Well, it kind of blows my mind. When um, back in Melbourne, I was living in the share house, and sometimes my housemates would just sit in front of the TV for three or four or five hours a night. And I was like, what is, like, what are you thinking? Of course, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm in, in a place to criticize because I sit in front of the computer for hours and hours um, doing nothing at all. But <laughs> no, it's so slightly, maybe, maybe it's, you know, the pot calling the kettle black there. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's somewhat different. Yeah. Well, it, it depends. How many channels do they have? 
I don't know how many channels are there in Australia now. It's a they opened it up. There's more than there's more than three that we had when I was a kid. I remember being <laughs> about eight. I really got no idea. Yeah, I don't know. But a handful, a handful of, of what of what we had. Um, but I mean, someone some, someone sitting in front of TV, even even if it's I don't care if you got you know you got like your pay TV or your Foxtel or whatever you know free to wear. I, I got no idea. Whatever. Still having a selected amount of channels is 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 a, some kind of pretend choice <laughs> like you got you got numbers and up or down i got a i got a full keyboard and a window that lets me go to any universe i want <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's yeah it's really amazing how much the world has changed in in just you know the last 15 years uh that we have all that information now and it's not a secret and it's not just something for nerds it's something for everybody and it's accessible and easy and it's fast and it's it's like this state of anarchy on the internet like nobody can tell you what you can publish more or less i mean some sites open up uh, i remember there's used to be this site i would go on where if something got taken down uh, by a government you could go on this site and they would publish it and now you, I mean, you have things like Live Leak and and uh, WikiLeaks, of course, to, to store this confidential information or banned information. And <laughs> uh, like, there's no way the information can be controlled. It's like what uh, the kind of hacker rhetoric that that I used to hear years ago when we we're looking at bulletin boards and would say information wants to be free and it seems to be true it seems to be truer and truer like it's information i mean it's not information doesn't have agency technically it's not a rational actor but uh but it's still like the flow the way it flows through minds the way memes flow through minds it wants to be free <laughs> yeah it's like a it's like a virus yeah it, it will yeah. attach where it wants to yeah, at will, yeah. it's uh, it's really it's really quite good, and it's it's exciting that this social media can let you find new circles, you know, irrespective of your geographical location. Like that's hmm. something we're talking about. Like you know, it, this this technology of sharing this uh, this virus of information jumps, you know, languages. It jumps borders. It, it yes. jumps time because you know you can. Well, we're going to post this podcast up, and it's going to be there. Hopefully, mm. for as long as anybody wants to watch it, will be will be there. Yeah, and so you know, it's kind of a, a time travel of information. Yeah, yeah, that blows my mind too because this is like the first generation where we can put something up on the internet. Like you can, you know, watch my music rap videos that, that I made in my bedroom. Uh, like 20, 30, 40 years later, like my grandchildren, were, my great grandchildren will switch that on and be like, oh, check out great granddad's uh, dorky so raps cool. videos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, how, how crazy is that? Like, how much do you, do you know about your great grandparents? And uh, like, you might have seen photos or maybe you knew them when you were young. Uh, but now, um, and going into the future, you can, you can know them. Uh, personally like that because you can see their record and it's open for everybody. That's going to be very interesting because we lose track of time when you start going back a few generations. Like mm. the difference between 
thinking about my grandfather or my great-grandfather, it's like, especially when you start thinking of what was their childhood like, yeah. it, just all, it just all gets jumbled together. Yeah, yeah. Like as in, you know, as soon as you go, like, you know, dad lived in the old days, mm. his dad, his dad, and it's like those years were so long ago mm. that you just put it all together. Like, you know, they all had to share the same technology. Yeah. But, I mean, we're going to be able to document that on, and that's going to be inherent in the technology that we're using now. Mm. So it's going to be like, you know, I, I got to watch Grandad in color. It's like, what the hell does that mean, in color? <laughs> <laughs> you mean like in real or like in person or in hologram? It was, it was like, yeah, wasn't I don't, a hologram. I, I didn't, I didn't you couldn't it. interact with this recreated artificial intelligence identity. Yeah. What, what what do you mean? Kids these days, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's not hard for us to try and, you know, to try and imagine. Like, you know, I, I can imagine that. Like, you know, that's going to be a possibility. But I'm sure people like you guys are crazy. <laughs> Maybe so. Doesn't, no. doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, we're, like right now we're creating this historical record. This is like a, a time capsule. Um, so that's another power of modern journalism. But from the other way around, we're also creating our own channels. Like you, we were discussing YouTube earlier and I, I like how, you know, it's like hey, I got five minutes with nothing to do. That never happens. Um, I would jump on YouTube and there's a whole lot of recommended videos and it's like, okay, I might find something interesting I can fit into two or five minutes here. And it's cool because there's always a handful of something related to what I was watching that week or, you know, in the last couple hours or whatever, but it's going to come to a point where you're going to have like the best of, and there's going to be like a five minute section of a documentary. It's going to be there allocated with a, with a, with a manufactured name mm. like specifically designed for you oh like, like okay your okay. own designed like uh personalized what, content what, what like yeah you're you, i mean it's gonna i don't know some kind of intelligent bot of youtube is yep. going to be generating a channel directly for you based on what you've been watching anyway which is which is really cool yeah so it's gonna like it'll find these these different pieces of different documentaries and splice them together in into a, a 10 minute movie that you can watch and and uh, just an idea, but I don't see why it'd be that hard. It's like making, it's like it's going to create a preview of what you could possibly watch in the next 14 hours. <laughs> it's like, you know, here's, here's 15 documentaries that you might be interested in. I made you a preview. <laughs> <laughs> of all of them at once, downloaded yeah. directly into your brain. <laughs> well, I, I would hope to upgrade my IQ by then as well to, be able to, to be able absorb all that. But, you know, there's, there's too much information. Like, we're getting, yep. we're getting left behind as technological robots. <laughs> but I think our consciousness could handle it. Yeah. Uh, Got to meditate. <laughs> but uh, I mean, this, I, I grabbed some information from a few videos I was watching just on how social media is going to change our, change the way our brains work. Mm. And it's interesting that there's, you know, there's a few phenomenons that's already, already happening. Like, um, like this phantom vibration syndrome. Have you, have you heard of that? Yes, yes. You, like when you have your mobile phone in your pocket, or even if you don't have it in your pocket, but you you um, you feel some sensation in your in your leg or your chest, and you interpret it as being the vibration of your phone, but it's 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 actually nothing. It's like yeah, no no phone, but why why am I feeling this vibration? Yep. That's um that, that's supposed to be like this 
like a, an after effect of our of our need or our addiction to wanting to always keep checking you know what's the what's the new latest thing on you know what's the latest little red beep beep <laughs> on, my, on my Facebook or yeah so some people compare it to like phantom limb syndrome where like if somebody loses their their leg uh, they can still feel their leg afterwards and some other people just say well it's just a twitch and because you're used to having your phone in that pocket then you interpret it as being your phone so yeah. the next question is like well if I'm getting this without even posting anything how many how many tweets can I tweet by, by your phantom phone. Well, it's, it's like it's like you if your body needs that that need to check something that is creating these these kind yep. of phantom vibrations, yep. then maybe you should be phantom in an output as well, not just an input. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, okay, how many times do you think you know I could I should write about that or that's an interesting topic or I should tweet that and it's like well I don't have internet connection so I guess the world misses out. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's what a notepad is for. Um, Old school technology making a comeback. Future. (laughs) (laughs) They have a name for that, the poor man's palm pilot or something, where you get get a piece of paper and you clip uh, clip them together and you have a pencil. (laughs) Yeah, I might clip. The poor man's PDA. Might clip some paper to my... To my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it'll make improve its functionality. Um, yeah, so <laughs> about about social media, of course, there's this new site which hasn't launched yet. It's called Cinerail, and uh, it seems very interesting because it's working on this decentralized model, and it, it means that um, when you promote something on the site, so say you, you put a few um, dollars on there and you want to promote a, a link to your website, so because um, you just released some new content. So um, you, you put a few dollars on there to promote it. Everybody who watches your ad is going to receive a, a small piece of th- those few dollars that you just put on there, so, so a couple of cents or, or maybe tenths of a cent. And uh, then um, maybe they'll say, oh, actually, this is really cool. So I will, I will actually put some money back on it um, so, so other people see it as well and boost the signal. And that means that the, the person who created the content or originally posted the content will then receive a percentage of, the, of those funds that other people are putting on it. And this, uh, this, is, this is really huge. I mean, it seems like a subtle thing. It seems like maybe it's just like tsu.com or, you know, those, that social media website that pays you that nobody signed up to. Uh, but it's, it is something new and it is something different. And I don't know if Cinerail is going to succeed, but I know this this is like the future of social media because this means that content creators can get paid and it's not like a, a long process where it means you have to build a blog, build a reputation. No, it's, it's not really like that anymore. It's like instantaneous. If you make something good, you can put it on there. Other people will, will promote it for you and you're getting paid. Like within hours, you're starting to generate an income by making good stuff. And, and this, um, this, brings us into into this other level of social media and this other level of information it's not like we need to like rely on web portals like they did in the old days of the the world wide web we don't need to rely on who pays the most money to facebook or or google adsense or whatever it is 
Google AdWords run it. Um, it's like every, everybody's more or less on this horizontal level and, we, and there's no barriers to entry to promoting something. It's just a matter of putting a few dollars on there and trying to make some money. Yeah, I think that's the key thing you said was boost the signal because yeah. it is all horizontal. So there's no one that's yeah. got any more control than anyone else. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So it's not like you can be banned or censored on there either. Yeah. The, the control is in, is in your hands to boost it yourself yep. or receive income and then put it back towards spreading your, your word mm. yeah. freely. It's yeah. Cool. So this is something that's going to definitely play into the future of journalism in some form because this means news can get out so much quicker, reach so many more people, and the better the news is. And I, I guess, this, of course, this requires some level of responsibility too because if you read an article which is very sensational, um, maybe that's going to get promoted a lot, um, but we need to, of course have that responsibility to research the sources and that's that's something that's just well it's always been important but it's only in these days that it's become how uh, become so obvious how important it is because the these cases like with with uh that that guy on cnn who got caught lying about military stuff brian i forget his name is probably not important but but there's these cases where uh, media outlets are shown to be manipulative or lying or you know misrepresenting the facts, and nowadays we know that we know that's a problem, and and uh, we can, we can address that better now, um, and that's a, that's something that's going to come into play with this new system as well. It makes me think of that message from our good friend Terence McKenna. Yeah, um, how he says you know the what's important is, is your real life and your friends without repeating him, um, you know what. What, see, what interests you is important and that should be your world and not, not buying into all this bullshit that, mm. uh, that mass media is going to you know, throw at you or down your throat. Right, so, because it's in other people's interests to try to make you believe things. The more, that, the more you believe in their belief system, the more control they have over you. And uh, I think these days it's becoming more and more easy to be an independent, free-thinking and beautiful individual. So, my name is Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Battle. We have been the Paradise Paradox. Uh, press like on YouTube, press subscribe on YouTube, uh, leave us a comment on YouTube, uh, tell us if you started a channel or you want to become an independent journalist or started a podcast or something like that. Like us. Yep. And every time you press share on a Paradise Paradox link, the world explodes and turns everybody on earth into super hyper journalists. That's a, that's a actual provable fact. And also <laughs> press subscribe it's on real. iTunes. Yeah, it's real. Press subscribe on iTunes, press subscribe on pocket casts and follow us on Twitter. I'm at trouble bubble. At battle AZ. Great. All right. See you next time. Peace. Press like on YouTube, press like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ at Trouble Bubble and show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com.